0: Before you get too far into the fly racing, Steve Mathis show. Thanks to the folks at Racetech. Pulp21 is the code to save with Race Tech. Get your bike dialed in. Get the right spring for your weight and or speed. Uh, racetech.com. Pulp21 is the code to save. And they've got everything from street bike stuff to dirt bike stuff to side-by-sides to vintage bikes. They'll, they'll dial you in. Folks at Racetech, uh, they've done a lot of teams and racers over the years and had great success. They've been around the industry forever, man. If you call there and you need some deals uh, on your bike for motor work or suspension work, tell me. listen to Pulp and they will help you out. All right, on to the show.
1: A Pulp Mx Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba links on racerxonline.com. <laughs> your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis.
0: Welcome right to the Fly Racing RacerX Podcast with my buddy Dan Truman from Get and Athena and a few other places, as you will learn. Thank you to Fly Racing for making this podcast happen. Their 2022 line continues to push the boundaries of innovation and style. The all-new Formula CP helmet offers that Rion technology to great price. Improvements extend to the Evo and Kinetic lines. And following last year's changes to the light line, uh, the market-leading Formula helmet revolutionizing brain protection and Zone Pro goggle making a podium with JB. Things that never looked brighter for Fly Racing. Check out the new line of flyracing.com and at Fly Racing on social media. Thank you to Max's Tires. SGB Maxis team, man, A Ray and Rod Bell. Uh, well, not A Ray anymore, but A Ray was killing it on uh, Maxis. Well, actually, he wasn't even killing it, but hey, he was doing a good job. Jeremy Smith as well, Maxis tires, mountain bike tires, light truck tires, SUV tires. They've got it all. And uh, Maxis.com, and if you're in the mood for a tire purchase for really, well, just about anything, Maxis.com. Jeremy McGrath uses them. I mean, that's a hell of a good reason, right? Maxis.com. Rentall as well, the undisputed global leader in manufacturing design since 69. Rental has become notorious for a relentless obsession of detail and quality through their commitment to produce the finest products on the market today. You want to talk chains? Rental's got great stuff. Sprockets? Yeah, they got them. Grips? They got them. Bars? 7 eighths bar? Fat bar? Twin wall bar? Renthal.com. Fat bar 36? Uh, Cooper Webb just switched to a fat bar 36, by the way. Uh, Rental is universally regarded as the most trusted bro- pro brand in the uh, paddock and the first choice to the world's premier athletes and race teams. Rental Dot com, A fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeter, millimeters. It all counts. Welcome to the winning world of rental. Thank you to Kobolinks and the folks at uh, motorsport.com as well for making this podcast happen. With Dan, thank you people for listening. Appreciate it. Let me know what you think. Subscribe to the Raceables as, if you can. Re-Raceables. That's a new podcast we started doing. People seem to be really liking that. The latest one's got Ezra Yogi Lusk on it talking about 98 Phoenix. Uh, no, 03 Phoenix actually. 98's down the road a little bit. All right, anyways, thank you, for people, for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, and here's Dan Truman and I. And now, as promised in the Fly Racing RacerX podcast, a good friend of mine from Get and Athena and the 83 Compound and God knows what else, Pulpamex Fantasy, it's Dan Truman. What's up, Truman? How are you, man?
1: I'm good, man. I'm just uh, catching up on a little red Lynn's here. Um, uh, we've been really busy at Athena and Get, so uh, I elected to stay back at the, the warehouse here in Florida and, and continue to ship product out and, and work with the guys, so
0: it's uh it's surprising you and i haven't done this already we've known each other for a long time um and uh yeah just getting around to it now so apologies for not um you know doing this sooner i mean you were you've been busy with your own vital mx thread so
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got my own thread i think i've officially made it now no i mean it's it's a fair question for some people and a lot of people aren't at the races so they don't really understand how some things work uh they took something out of contents that i said on a on a fantasy podcast and and they're running with it but it is what it is um i see you and jt have threads on there all the time so
0: yeah 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 welcome to, welcome to the club <laughs> um and and it's interesting i feel like your your path in the industry you're from florida I'm from canada are, are kind of the same we wanted to be pro racers we realized we weren't good enough you were probably better than i was and then at some point we got into being a mechanic and then we realized that that's a lot of work But in the meantime, we made a ton of connections and friends, and we have both graduated outside of being a mechanic but still heavily in the industry. So I do feel a bit of kinship with you, Truman, as far as our career paths here.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the goal growing up as a young kid was to be a professional dirt bike racer, right? Like your goal, my goal. And, uh, you know, I tried to live that dream. It didn't come from any money or nothing, so it was really hard for us to make all the big amateur nationals. I would ride with people, friends, and, you know, teammates at the time, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I won amateur nationals at the time. You think that's so great, right? You're winning these races in Texas mm-hmm. and Las Vegas and all this stuff. But I, I never won Loretta's. Uh Third and fourth was the best I ever was. You know, I raced against... Stewart on a lot of them and he won most of them as people know
0: he was pretty good um, right he was a good amateur
1: <laughs> rider. yeah he was decent but you know me and james were really close you know we were close friends growing up in florida our dads were friends and uh you know we raced every weekend back then it wasn't like now with training facilities everybody raced you know yeah. so we would be yeah. each other on the weekends and you know i would get him a motor here and obviously for the most part he won 95 percent of them oh did but,
0: you did you straight up beat james here and there yeah
1: yeah, I beat him a couple times D Dade wow, City. You know, nice. More of a stand rider. Um, <laughs> you know, some of the guys will talk about it. It's it was some good times on mini bikes. You know, when yep. he got to a big bike, he he kind of hit another gear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny story. His first big bike race was at Gatorback, and I was a big guy. I've always been a big guy. And uh, in staging, you know, James was kind of you know being James cocky and was mm-hmm. we were having fun and we were friends too. Right. You know, so and I said, don't lean on me like this is 80 85 class, you know, or whatever we were on then. Super minis before that. And, uh, sure enough, in the first turn he leaned over, I leaned back and unfortunately he went down, uh, not all my fault, but, uh, he broke his arm or shoulder, I think at that race. Okay. And uh, when he came back, I don't know that he ever lost a race again on (laughs) 25th. So, uh, it was kind of funny. We, we've joked about it in the past uh, since then. And and it was like, Hey man, he was just a young kid, you know, coming up, I was a little bit bigger and stronger. And, uh, but yeah, good times. And, you know, I rode for team green for five years as an amateur and, I uh, turned pro at 04, the, the famous Alessi race, uh, Millville 04 after Loretta's, um, Alessi's first race. And, you know, we raced all those fair races, which they do in the Midwest, which were really fun. The leading up to it, I had real no expectations, but I think I got 26 in the second moto. I got smoked, right? Like, right, right. And I'm like, this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like you, I kind of didn't really know where my path was going. I, I realized I wasn't good enough. Um, I probably could have put a lot more effort into it, but uh, I kind of went the mechanic path, like you.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. Hey. So, Get and Athena. Let, let's. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But, um, uh, Get and Athena, obviously an Italian-based company. You work with those guys heavily and have over the years. Uh, two-stroke, four-stroke ECU's. Uh, you know, you got the RPM dashboard. Corollis run it for years, and you know, I mean, it is such a big company in Europe, and so many teams are running uh, Get products. And Athena, of course, is, you know, uh, big bores and everything else like that. And we can get into that story in a little bit. But how did you ever get with those guys? How did you meet them? I imagine you just bought an ECU at some point and asked them for help. Like, where did you get started with Get and Athena?
1: Yeah, it's actually crazy kind of small world, but I was still racing at the time. I raced that Milvo 04 race and kind of realized I, right. I either needed to go all in or not. And uh, I was at a trade show in Florida. Uh, it was like a Tucker Rocky show, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I met the, the CEO and the president there from Athena. And what were you
0: doing for, there, though? Were you working for anybody? Or? For,
1: no, I was I was deciding I was going to race Supercross in 05. Okay. Um, and I was looking for sponsors. I was looking for funding and kind oh, of went so you there. went there
0: with a resume and everything. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I, it was close to where I was. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go talk to some people. And mm-hmm. through some mutual friends and um, another business owner of a different company, He introduced me to Arardo, who's the president and CEO of Athena, and we spoke, and, you know, he was like, hey, I really want to help you, you know, for Supercross. So my plan was to race Supercross in 2005 on a basically an Athena-backed Honda. Uh, Back then, they did this privateer journey thing. I I don't remember what it was called. Yeah,
0: yeah, privateer Uh, journey, yeah.
1: But, yeah, so basically you kind of, like, gave them a set fee, and they took your bikes and did all this stuff, and I was going to do it. Um, unfortunately, going into that season, I got injured really bad at uh, riding with Davey Millsaps. <clears throat> uh, back then, you remember the 05 Honda had a um, throttle body issue and the butterfly or the... It was, the
0: was too big pump. of a carb, wasn't it?
1: It was The accelerator pump wouldn't open, okay. and you ended up having to wire, wire tie the, the accelerator pump. Yeah. But it, it was a freak accident, but I did get hurt really bad. And at that point, I was kind of like, man... I'm done. Like, I need to just focus on something <laughs> else. So, the guys had invested into me at the time, but I wasn't racing now. So, I had no intentions of then working for Athena. This was 2000, you know, being in 2005. So,. In between Athena and racing, I knew the Butler brothers. I grew up with them, so I be, I was like, I was with Forrest Butler one day, and they were looking for a mechanic for Jason Thomas, who we're all friends with, and I honestly remember where I was and everything. Like it was yesterday, and JT called me. He's like, "Do you really want to be my mechanic?" I was but like, "But you I
0: mean, knew you knew JT, like I knew just, JT
1: because I knew just Chad.
0: growing up in Florida."
1: Yeah, so when Reed came to America, he lived with Tim Ferry. Right. um, And we had some tracks, some friends in Florida, that Chad and Timmy would ride at. So we were all mutual friends. Hold
0: on, though. You didn't know JT from way back when?
1: Yeah, yeah, I knew JT. Oh, okay. I am saying, just in this area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up JT. Right, okay. Got it. No, I knew that. I'm saying just into the 2005 era. JT was coming off Subway Honda. Right. And, um, you know, I was going to the tracks, and he was riding at Chad's place, and we were all hanging out. And I drove home one day, and Forrest was like, hey, you know, I worked on all my own stuff because my dad had to work to send me to the races. So I knew how to work on things. And he's like, do you want to be a mechanic? And, you know, I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I don't really know what I'm doing with my life. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and JT called me. He's like, well, the McGrath race is like, you know, coming up. You want mm-hmm. just you want to go with me? And I was like, sure. So that's kind of what kicked that off. My first race was the McGrath race with JT. and
0: Wooden, um, uh, w- uh, Metal ramps, bro. <laughs> metal,
1: metal ramps. And, and then that's where I kind of came in, right? Like, at that time, like, I always did whatever it whatever i had to do to to make a living right like i was dealing poker games and i was doing whatever and i went out there and i, I hustled mc and uh and villaman and all these guys had a poker game they were all getting paid pretty good money and like hey let's set up a poker game i was like oh yeah jt me and jt got in there and you know we made our lunch money you know we, yeah, yeah. we did good so um so yeah i worked for the butler brothers for you know five, seven years, I'm not sure, but I always kept in touch with the Athena guys just as friends, and, you know, I always respected them, and it came to a point where they reached out to me, and um, I I was actually going to go to Pro Circuit. Paul Parabinos was a mechanic at BBMX, and we kind of all helped get him a job at Pro Circuit, and then Mitch needed another person, so I went to two races with Paul and Pro Circuit.
0: Oh, you did? Um, I didn't know you got that far with it. Okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: I went went to High Point and Southwick, helped out with Zach and Aaron and all the guys, and I was going to go to Pro Circuit. And at the time, uh, my wife now, we were like, it's a big move, right? Florida to California. And I was dealing with Sharon Richards, and I said, hey, I just need a contract from Mitch saying that, like, hey, I'm good, because I don't want to move to California and not have it in writing. Mm -hmm. And Mitch is like, no, you're good. And I'm like, I know, but it's a big move, Mitch. And um, at that time, I was still talking to Athena just as friends, and I kind of was telling them the deal, and they're like, why don't you come work for us? And I was like, well, I didn't think of it. What options do you have? And they're like, well, our warehouse is in New York, but you will do what you want to do. If you want to be in Florida, then I was like, okay, this is a way better option. Yeah. So uh, they needed an answer, though. Athena's like, but we need to make a decision. Like, we don't want to lose you. And I was like, okay. So I said, let me try Mitch one more time. I tried him. He didn't answer. So I took the deal. (laughs) That weekend was the Atlanta Supercross. Went to Atlanta, and... I uh, went up to Mitch, and I said, hey, I took this job with Athena, thanks, I appreciate it, and he got mad at me. Like, oh, I bet. Me and Mitch didn't talk for, like, the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I gave you my word. And I said, I know, Mitch, but you wanted me to move across the country, and I didn't even know how much money I was going to make. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, so, I said, these guys were willing to let me work in Florida, and...
0: Were you going to be you know, a race mechanic for Mitch? Or no, a... I was
1: actually going to do what, what, it, what it ended up being Shnikey's job.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. so I was going to do that. <clears throat> that was the original plan. Go in, do that side of it, and uh, I mean, all in it it worked out way better, right? Like for me you, I think. you
0: definitely would've you made more money I get in Athena and you didn't work as right. hard, for sure.
1: So me and Mitch, you know, are really close now. We we talk all the time, we text each other, it's you know, we're good. Yeah. But at the time I get his side of it too, right? Like he gave me his word, but I was having to move myself and family across the country. and So I was a little nervous to do that. But yeah, so Athena, for the first couple years, I worked remotely from Florida, uh, just at home. Their warehouse was in New York, Long Island. Um, They needed more space in Long Island, and Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, real estate's expensive there. So... They bought a warehouse down here in Florida, and uh, ever since, uh, it was actually 10 years last month, um, I've been running this warehouse here in Florida. Uh, now, get,
0: now, get and Athena started in Italy, and they, they're distributed by uh, WPS and Tucker and Parts, for everybody, right, I think? Or? Yeah,
1: yeah so, distributed by all of them. So, right. I mean, Athena is the brand. Yes. Um, when I started, Git didn't even exist. They acquired the Git company uh, later on once I started, and then since i had such a racing background and knew so many people in the industry they thought it was a good idea that i really just focused on the tech support and ran that side of it so that's that's kind of my role now is i'm a brand manager for for athena usa
0: okay so i was thinking though like so this is an italian company they make good products obviously the distributors are all in america but they still felt like they needed something in america to run, I guess, just for shipping logistics and, and returns and war and warranties and things like that? I mean...
1: Yeah. It, I mean, we're our uh, own entity, essentially, Athena USA. Yeah. Um, so they needed somebody... My role... So what I really got hired for was to do the trade shows. Remember before yeah, Supercross? Oh yeah, yeah. They used to do a trade show at every Supercross. That's I, did them, I did them
0: too for FMF. I was the FMF <laughs> yeah. brand guy. Yeah. So,
1: I only did a year of that before those went away, but that's what they wanted me to do just because of my relationship right. with the sport. Right. So they were like it would be really good to have a face with the company and and so forth. So that role changed over the years. But yeah, just having a warehouse here, um, it, you know, it closes the time in shipping, mm-hmm. everything's faster. Just there's so many benefits to have a warehouse here in the US.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point on that. So for you uh, at one point pro circuit was run get uh JGR of course was big get guys uh some teams have come and gone with that you you seem like you know you were going to every single race for many years uh you know working with the teams and programming ECUs and you know working with the techs on the teams and then now I don't know I mean privateers are using get and there's some stuff but I I'm guessing your workload as far as going to all the races has has uh, lessened from the days of JGR and PC
1: yeah, it has listened a lot. So in the early days, uh, Stuart was the first one with Larry Brooks and L&M that really brought Git to the U.S. Um, the technology was really good, but there was a lot of hiccups. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you there was a lot of headaches. Um, the product was new. You know, we were. It was a big learning curve. And then Chad used it in 2011 before he got the factory Honda bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he won some races on it. But I knew Chad as a as a friend back then and. It was hard working with Chad. It just as hard as it is today. <laughs> right. I didn't want to work with Chad. I don't want to work with Chad today on a on like a product standpoint because he's very he's it's tough. That that's the easiest way to put it. It's just tough. Um he knows what he wants and I mean he only wants to use the best, but he used Git and he really helped develop the product to make mm-hmm. it good. We used Pro Circuit, or we we went with ProCircuit because they were a distributor of Git and we had a lot of issues some related to Git. A lot of them not related to Git and we always got the blame yeah it was a big yeah, it was a yep.
0: ignition spark plug always the, always the issue right
1: <laughs> right and you know you got to remember these wiring harnesses were getting modified and you know and coils are getting moved and a ton of things behind the scenes were getting done but it's just like oh well they use a Git ecu so you know dean wilson was living at my house at the time in florida and he gets injured at glen helen or you know he's winning a title, and, like, there was just a lot of things that were building up that were actually tough on me, because these guys are my friends, I don't want to see them get hurt, but also, it's I have, you know, engineers saying, hey, it's not the get product, it was this, you know, so it's like a he said, she said thing. Yeah. Um, so it was tough, and then once teams like JGR and even Pro Circuit, they start hiring these guys that only do electronics now. So that took a huge load off of me. You yep. know, JGR had Dean Baker and Mitchell. Uh, Pro Circuit had, you know, Ian and, and Aaron, and like they all have their own guys now. So it really took a lot off me. Um, Star Yamaha, we won a lot of titles with Star. The the Aaron Plessinger Days, Cooper mm-hmm. Webb won with our, our stuff. So really, it just, it did take a big workload off of me yeah. with them doing all this stuff. And
0: I mean, I I I saw you at so many races helping so many privateers, (laughs) and then you just looked so stressed. You were going there on Fridays and... You know, yeah. mapping Lakewood or, or Salt Lake. or You know what I mean? There was so much work. It seemed like you were really, really cr- uh, killing yourself at, at yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, a yeah. lot
1: of it was due to having to build the brand back up from, you know, the issues we had with, say, Stewart or Reed on the early days, right? So mm-hmm. you always get those people who say, oh, I heard it does this or this. But, I mean, the product has come a long ways. I mean, we're 10 years in. It's come a long ways. And, I mean, yeah, guys like Caroli and those, they choose that. I can honestly say we don't pay any of our teams. And that's a big reason why we don't have a lot of U.S. teams. Um we just were not in a position to pay them money to use our products, I especially when to say a star Yamaha is going to win regardless right, whether they use our stuff or they use our competitor stuff. the bike 's really good um, i don 't think it 's going to sell enough ECUs, which was what it would cost us to sponsor the team
0: right right, so. yeah, yeah, I know that 's the old uh, million dollar question right um, Athena over uh, big bores, of course now it has Athena on the side of the cylinder, but how many of those you sell to privateers, Dan, over the
1: years? Oh, man. Loretta's is this week. I can't tell you how many YZ125 people called and said, hey, do you sell a cylinder without Athena on it? And I'm just like, why are you racing Loretta's? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so many times. But, oh. yeah, all, all of our cylinders are stamped. Uh, it's just the way we do our tooling. But I've seen them ground off before and things yep. like that. But, yeah, there's, you know, the dream races and, and all those. There was tons of people calling and getting big board kits. It's, it's kind of crazy, our number one selling – athena product in the u.s is a yz 125
0: kit oh is it really oh wow yeah
1: because um, it's the same from mo5 yeah good point right you know, so yeah it's one one skew
0: um yeah absolutely and if, by the way uh uh get and athena are on the fly racing moto 60 show and as well the pulp show so if you want to deal from get or athena use the contact form on pulpamex.com i'll pass it on to dan here we've had a lot of listeners uh do that and we'll try to get some more business for get and athena great products great stuff um and then, uh, obviously, too, for your end of things in Italy, whether it's uh, the, K- the KTM guys or or Cowie or whatever, you've got access to people who are at the MXGPs every single weekend and seeing the coolest stuff on the factories on that end of stuff. So that helps you uh, over here as well.
1: Yeah. No, it, it's awesome. And with working with Coroli, so Coroli doesn't use our ECU. He uses some of our Git products. The RPM Dash works with our competitors' ECU, a Mm -hmm. stock ECU, or a good ECU. But for him, starts are so important, as everybody knows. And Cooper Webb gets great starts. He doesn't need a light or need anything else. Cooper Mm -hmm. Webb's a really good starter. For Coroli and Prado, they really like to see their RPMs on the gate. So, you know, that was something that, Caroli kind of came to us and we talked about a time. He's like, I know you guys got this technology with the, you know, the get product. He's like, could you just make it work with my ECU? Because KTM in-house, they want to use their own ECU, right. which we get. They have technology that's not for sale. And, and that's awesome. So yeah, we kind of made this product and, and it works, right? Like it's, I mean, Curly's awesome. But, I mean, we work with almost all the GP teams. It's kind of crazy over there um, how many teams we work with. We have two engineers that go to the races. They're there every weekend, and, and they're like I was a few years ago, right? They're just wide open <laughs> programming bikes every day. It's kind of crazy.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of kind of neat to, uh, to see that technology. And, man, I saw Geyser's bike with the tank off one time, and it looked like a friggin' 747 with all the wiring <laughs> harnesses going on. They Honda's got some serious uh, ECU stuff going on.
1: Yeah, they do, and, I mean, they got in a little bit of trouble a few years ago. Um, You know, Tim would pull in, and and we have a lot of rules. Everything we do has to go through FIM, so we have a Wi-Fi com that you can adjust the ECU with. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we could set it to where we could do it anywhere you want, on the track moving. But by rule, we make it to where the bike has to be stopped. You know, you have to be so far away from the bike or within so far distance, all this stuff. Well, Tim was pulling in. To the pits and complaining about his bike, and then some Honda guy would start pushing buttons on a computer, and then he would ride off, and it would be better, and they never touched anything. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, and uh, I believe KTM brought it to the attention, yeah. and they had video of it, and they're like, hey, you know, this isn't okay. Yeah. Honda's like, <laughs> Honda's like, oh yeah, okay, we'll get rid of it. All right, I'm, <laughs> our
0: bad, our bad. The guys, the guys <laughs> over in the semi going. Boop, 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 boop.
1: Yeah, and I mean they had some they had some MotoGP technology and stuff to you know lean angles and helping Tim from crashing yeah. and just some crazy stuff, but. Yeah. We do the benefit of working with the OEMs. We work with Honda Japan, and these guys is getting to see some of the bikes early. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool for me, coming from the racing side. Yeah. I just, you know, some of these engineers they don't care, right? Like it's just another dirt bike to them. But for me to see a twenty twenty three Honda, you know, in twenty twenty is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, sure. it's like wow, that thing's awesome.
0: So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, you got your plate full with that. So then somehow, and I've always bugged you about this, I don't know where you have you have a, a wife, you have children. Uh, you have the Get and Athena thing. Um, you have Pulp Mex Fantasy, of course, that uh, has been going well. That you help set the handicaps, and now you are sort of overseeing the eighty-three compound, which is Chad Chad's old place. And uh, Mark uh, Mark Lane bought it from England, and uh, Webb's there now. I think that's that's news now. I think we know that. We can say that, right? We, we, can yeah, say, we can well, that. Uh, uh The Lawrence's are there. Uh, Savachi Bogle. Um, you do stuff with the RMATV KTM team on the weekends. I don't know where you find the time, Dan. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, I work a lot of hours. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the warehouse pretty much every day uh, or the office at Athena, and then on the even days I go to the track, I still come back to, to Athena and do things late at night. But for me, I love it. It's just the passion of, of dirt bikes. And so back to 83, I worked, obviously, friends with Chad for a long time, like we said, in 2018 chad wanted to go racing and he reached out to me and he said hey listen i know you have a lot of connections i want you to really help me go racing it was supposed to be his final year and then he got injured at straight rhythm but we were already committed so i ran like a vip program mm-hmm. um which upset our our tall boy oh boy, JT. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so we did it to to do funding to help chad go racing and um i did that for the last three years of chad's career too I, My thing with Chad was I always just wanted to be friends with him. I never wanted to work for him or work with him. That sounds
0: about right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep.
1: (laughs) I just thought it would ruin our friendship. I just really did. And I've seen so many friendships get ruined over the years, people working together, and we were good friends. So I can say that we're still good friends. So we we got through it all. Uh, We had some hiccups here and there. But uh, yeah, so I did that stuff with Chad, which was very time-consuming. I went to Australia and New Zealand and and did all that. But uh, I sold Chad's property to this gentleman and he's like, Hey, I, I've never owned a track or anything. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do I do? And I'm like, Oh boy. And, uh, <laughs> he's like, I just kind of want it for my kid. His kid's 16. He's going to, he's actually racing uh pro sport class at the Reddits this week. And, uh, I said, well, I mean, he's like, I just wanted to operate and cover costs. I said, well, I can get riders to come there. I got connections everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, you, you do it. So I reached out to the Lawrences and, you know, and some guys and Forrest Butler and, and these guys said, Hey, you know, where are you guys training at? And they said, Oh, we don't know. And, you know they're kind of all over the place and we built a pretty awesome compound. Um it's got two supercross tracks, two race shops, a gym, you know, it's got everything you can imagine. It's I would say it's one of the top 3 to 3 places in the US to train at, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, so Cooper Webb coming there this last month has been talked about obviously on your show and other shows and it's a big move for someone to leave Alden Bakers. I think that in the past we can say it hasn't really worked. Um but uh, yeah, Cooper's pretty motivated. He
0: yeah.
1: he's you know well, he comes there every day and busts his butt. So. It has
0: worked. Kenny won a title without Alden? AC won a title without Alden, but consistently it hasn't worked. It hasn't p- produced consistent winners leaving Alden Baker. Uh, but it yeah, has. Yeah, I, I don't want to say
1: it's. Yeah, it, I, don't, I don't think it's impossible. By no means. I think the years that Jason Anderson won his title, or even Cooper Webb, maybe this year winning his title, maybe weren't all in on the Alden program. Yeah. So you could say maybe they won those titles with Alden's success, you know, yep. I think Alden's great. I think he does great things. I just think that at some point in some people's career, they have to make a little bit of a change. I don't think your body can sustain that for that long. Yeah, I That's mean, just my opinion.
0: I was saying the same, but even away from Alden, I'm saying the same thing about Faulkner. Like, I like Robbie Renard. I got nothing against Robbie, but I ju- Faulkner looks to me like a kid just stuck in a rut and needs a change. Uh, Bogle left the Carmichael farm. You know, Joey left up there. Like, the, I, I firmly believe whoever it is the yeah change helps everybody
1: yeah and going to back to colorado where austin had that you know he was on tv and he looked miserable and for talking about Forkner, i i spoke to mitch after the race and i said mitch i said you're more than welcome to send austin in, and he can bring robbie i said i don't know if it's just i don't want to say it's robbie maybe he just needs a change to ride at a different place that yeah. he's more mm-hmm. more than welcome and, and we we offered it to him um And even the Lawrences have been cool enough to say, hey, listen, man, like, we're not threatened by Austin right now. Like, if it's better for the compound and it is what it is, we have different shops. Like, you know, that's where those guys... They just go there to do their job, right? Like, everyone's having fun. We kind of handpicked everyone that's there. And everyone's having fun, which is really good. But, um, yeah, Austin hasn't taken us up on the offer. I think it would be great if he got a change, though. I think I, it would help him.
0: I was there during Supercross. You guys let me come by for the day. Um, missed out on my buddy Anderson. Uh, he left, though, right? He's gone? He left for rat race?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Jason's um, – Jason's. Uh, he's different. He's a different person. Um, <laughs> it's, it was a little bit of a drive from where he's at. He's in Claremont, so listen. It I a bit of a d-
0: listen, it was too expensive. I know Jason well enough. I know enough people. He he probably got a deal to go to Rad Trace.
1: Well, yeah, that I mean, we charged Steve this year. We charged fifteen thousand dollars. Like, how is that too expensive for a professional motorcycle rider um, for the year?
0: I, I don't know, but him and Dean Wilson have contests to try to be the cheapest human being alive.
1: No, I do think Tyler's is really close to him, and, and I think that uh, he has a little bit of involvement in Tyler's. That's my personal opinion. And, uh, I mean, we're still close with Jason. He yeah. has an open has an open door to come ride anytime he wants. Um, he knows that. His mechanic's probably there right now. Today, he comes by and does side work and stuff. Uh, we're all still close, but yeah, yeah, yeah he did leave yeah. and went to uh,
0: So my, Okay, so I got there. I went there for one day during Supercross, and here's what I was going to say. was It still looks like the outdoor track has jumps that reach up to the heavens um <laughs> did you cut any of those down <laughs> those massive yeah. outdoor jumps
1: they're tall the problem is i got guys like jet and hunter who are like hey it's boring can we make big jumps and i'm like no like because we need to do i need you guys to be healthy on race weekends like so the jumps are still really tall they're nowhere near as big as they were when chad had it they're tall but they're not okay um, all right they're not difficult they just look big yeah yeah. they look big
0: okay all right because yeah at times when chad was doing it they were so big (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and Chad would say, "Well, I'm not racing outdoors. I just ride it for fun." And I'm like, "Yeah, but man, if anything goes wrong on one of these jumps, yeah. like it's anything, over. yeah, it's over."
0: Yeah, you yeah, so. yeah, exactly right. Oh, that's funny. Um, Dan Truman here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Renthal, Maxis, Cobolinks, and Motorsport dot com, of course. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, okay, so you're doing that. You got to get an Athena thing. Uh, and, of course, you were a mechanic for a long time. Um, also, too, it seems like you're, you're sort of being a little bit more hands-on with uh, Savachi and the team and Joey himself this year. How's that been for you? And, and Joey uh, gets a bad rap. Some of it justified, in my opinion, for his attitude. Uh, some of it not justified, though. Uh, I've told him this. I've, he's a real funny guy. He's low-key funny. I think he needs to let his personality show a little bit more. But how's it been working with Joey a little more hands-on?
1: Yeah, my relationship with the team goes back to, you know, when I was 10, 12 years old with with Forrest and the team, and then yep. working with the team. And I don't always agree with their decisions and the way they handle things or or whatever, but we've always been friends. Yeah. Um, Forrest wasn't sure what Blake was doing um, because of his wrist injury, and and we won't get into all that stuff. But <laughs> I I knew Joey. I've known Joey from MTF days and yep. everything else, and I knew he was he had a moto concepts offer and he really wanted to ride a factory bike and he's like is there anything you can do and i said i mean i think there's a spot but you can't sign the moto concept deal on it and i'll give joey full credit for this they gave him a deadline moto Concepts said you have till this time to sign it yeah and forrest said well i can't give you an answer until like 48 hours after that
2: deadline yeah, yeah.
1: and joey was calling me and he's like what do i do and i said joey i said man take the risk you know and we kind of talked about it and and he did. He turned down the MCR deal, and, um, and yeah, Rocky Mountain came through at the last minute and flew him to California the next day, I believe, for that KT yeah. launch and all that stuff. And then I think just my knowledge, it's no different than I helped Cooper Webb out with some things, too, It just as a friend. I, th- these guys aren't necessarily paying me for advice, but I was around Chad for a long time. I was around – I mean, I learned stuff from you and JT, and I try to take information in from – my friends ryan holiday and paul pervinos and these guys that are around the sport and have been for a long time and i think just my knowledge of joey uh, or being around these guys joey was just like kind of leaning on me for a little bit of information you know he sold his house moved to date city where or, you know florida um you know it a whole different program right so it kind of felt good for him to just kind of have a friend to to help him out at the races so it was uh it was a rough year for him. He wasn't great. He got better at Supercross towards the end. He got a sixth at the last race, I think. Um, yep. Got like five or six top eights um, in Motocross. He's been struggling. I think after this break, he should get a little bit better. But the top ten in that class is really tough. And I mean, I don't know that Joey's a top three guy. And I can honestly tell him that. You know, I think yeah. I think he's a sixth to eighth place guy. You know, at, at what he's doing right now. So. Um but yeah I mean it's been a really good thing. I really like Justin Bogle and being around Bogle. Bogle's you know.
0: cool, right? Bogle's a yeah, good dude. Yeah.
1: He's such a good guy, man, and he's got so much talent. It's so frustrating to see the, you know, the things we can't talk about, right? Cuz our sport's so secretive about the the injuries and the sicknesses and the things that he's going through, man. The, to get up every day and go to work I mm-hmm. think would be really hard for a lot of people. And he just does it with a smile on his face and, and goes on to the next day. So
0: And how many times has he been knocked down like with concussions and stuff and come back and you know what I mean? Like his resilience is, is pretty is admirable.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, and I I'll text Justin out of nowhere every now and again and we'll have a quick talk and he's just a positive person, you know, he's just a good, he, he's a good human, right? Like there's those just people that are good people and he's yeah. a good person. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the experience to answer your question, it's, it's been different. Um, mm-hmm. my deal with Rocky mountain kind of was, Hey, listen, I'll help out these guys. But if a privateer comes to the races and needs, uh, some mapping done to his bike, like I have my computer and all my stuff set up there, yeah. you know, their, their team doesn't use get or Athena, but they allow me to kind of work out of there and things like that. And if somebody
0: from the 83 compound wants some help or whatever, you'll run over there too. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, or fantasy guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, last year I got got a wheel for, you know, Jared Lesher. And, I mean, I was just one of those guys at one time, you know. Like, I don't know Lesher. I don't know anything about him really. Right, right. I just see this, and I, I used one of my favorites. I went to Dunlop, and I was like, man, can you guys give us a tire? I got a wheel from another privateer. And, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think John, that stuff comes back to it's good karma.
0: John Short, yeah. you got a chain for John Short, which enraged me because who goes to the races without a chain? Like I, right. I was a shitty-ass privateer uh, in Canada, and I, I had spare chains. You know, so right.
1: that, that was Denver Supercross. Paul texts me and he's like, Hey, John Short needs a chain. I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, yeah. Hey J Bone, you know, I need a chain. He's like, Well, those are pre cut. I'm like, Never mind, I'll just go find a privateer that has an extra <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> um uh so okay, so you're doing all that, you're super busy with that. But um let's go back in the time machine a little bit. Were you like me where uh when you got the job being JT's mechanic at the McGrath Invitational, you're like, Hey, I'm gonna be a mechanic, you know the racing days are over uh were you like me and at the time you thought oh i know how to work on a bike i know how this will go and then when looking back on it now in 2021 you're like god i was an idiot uh yeah okay so you're the same way where i was like i got this like i worked for pj1 yamaha in 96 and i'm like i got this you know i did all my own work on my own bikes and my dad taught me a lot and you know i got this and then i look back on it i'm like what a moron i was
1: yeah, so exactly what you said, right? I went to that McGrath race with a suitcase, you know, JT. We had to bring a cut seat, a cut subframe, tall foot pegs. I'm like, man, this is way different. Like, I have never even seen these kind of parts before. <laughs> we, You know, we get there, we do our thing, and then, you know, going into the season, the teams have a way of doing things. You know, at least the, the team back then wasn't as organized and wasn't what it is today. Right. But still, there was still... A way of doing things, and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, it was a whole new learning experience. And at the time, JT was good. I mean, he made, you know, was making every main event. And uh, I give JT a lot of credit, man. That guy worked really hard, and he was super loyal to me. Always paid me bonuses on our agreement. And then even in the later years, I had when Michael Byrne came to the team, or Matt Gurky or some of these guys that were better than mm-hmm. Jason. Um, Forrest would always be like, hey, do you want to work for them? And I was like, you know what? Like me and JT are cool. You know, he's always taking care of me. Yeah, right. I can make a few more dollars, but I mean, we had so much fun together too. I mean,
0: was it uh, was it tough? Like, did Frank get in the way early, or was Frank cool it, right from the start?
1: Not not early. So, <laughs> Frank was good from the start, and then we had some issues. Um, man, JT's probably told this story, but in Houston one year, JT's bike would not run, and we couldn't figure it out. I okay. couldn't figure it out, and it wouldn't run. He qualified for the night show and didn't jump the jump.
0: Is this he is this a carburetor the- days? Is this a, or... um
1: it would have been like oh nine maybe. Okay. I don't think I don't know if it's carburetor or not. Okay. But it turns out so <laughs> we think we get it running and he did his practice laps in the Toyota they used to have a fifty uh like a over by the Toyota truck in the pits and you uh-huh. could ride a little honda 50 i said jt you're gonna go right there he's like with the 50s i'm like yes so i go tell the toyota guy i'm like hey man i said my guy's racing the 450 class tonight but we need to use this 50 track And he's like you can't go out there i'm like jt go (laughs) So jt goes and spins a couple laps turns out it was bad fuel but like around that time we were having some bike issues Uh um and frank stepped in for jt's mechanic thinking you know we would solve some things Forrest kind of moved me over to do something else on the team it didn't really change anything you know the the parts were parts, you know, but me and Frank butted heads at times, but, man, I love that guy. He wanted his kid to do good. And, right, uh, right. I mean, it, it was Frank awesome. was his
0: mechanic for 15, 20, 10 years or whatever, you know what I mean, before you stepped Yeah, in there, so, so, I mean,
1: it was definitely tough, but I always – I looked up to Frank. I think he was a very smart guy. And, right. You know, when Frank was JT's mechanic, he would get there and just start working on JT's bike. We're like, Frank, we've got to set the tent up. Not my tent. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: all, right, all right, Frank. Right. We used to have a truck driver on a KTM team. We'd be like, hey, man – uh, can you? We're working on our bikes. We're building our bikes. Can you go get this guy from the airport? And he'd be like, "Nic," and we'd be like, "What? Not in contract." And he'd go back drinking oh, beers. Man. And we're like, "Oh, awesome, cool, man. Thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad we're a team here." Uh, you know? Yeah,
1: but no, really, I did learn a lot. You know, yeah. I over the years we got better and better we got more support and even in the later years when they went to Suzuki JGR was involved in building the engines and I was able to go to JGR at the time and and see the facility and and be like wow this is cool and and kind of learn and I was self-taught, so right. I think I had a lot to learn. Um, you know, just everything down to chain tensioner. You know, I was just like, oh, three fingers, it's good." You know, like, but going into Supercross, you know, everything's measured in millimeters, and and so much makes a difference when you got these guys' lives at your hands. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right. It's uh, it is it is something to think about for sure. Did you just work for JT on that team as a mechanic? Did yeah, you work I mean, for anybody I, else? You jumped. I worked
1: there. for Matt. I worked for Matt Bonney one year on two fifties. Okay, we got. I think we. Podium somewhere, Daytona maybe or something. Um, yeah, I, kinda, I worked for Keelan when he came in as a rookie. I, I helped out with whatever. I, I kind of was a jack-of-all-trades there. I did a little bit of everything, parts ordering, you know, whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, I never changed as the riders. Byrne came and I was going to work for Byrne, and I just – I really – I went to, with Byrne to France and did those off-season races. But I, JT, like I said, he always yep. took care of me, so I, I, was, I was more about being loyal. So I just stayed with him.
0: Right, yeah, absolutely right. Um. And that team, man, so you've, you've known the Butler brothers, Karsten, Forrest.
1: Brandon and Taylor.
0: Brandon. And who?
1: Taylor's the young one that you probably don't even know. I don't
0: think I knew there was a Taylor. I don't think I even yeah. knew that. So yeah. you knew those guys for how long? Like down in Miami, down in South Florida. Like, Did you know them as a kid? Yeah,
1: yeah since I was a kid. Yeah, 60s and 80s, yeah. We grew up and racing all the Florida races, like I said earlier. Yeah. We raced every weekend. I got pictures. Uh, you know, Carson Bowler stayed at my house last weekend. We're still really close. And so we knew those guys. Like, we were always friends. And uh, my first national, that Millville 04 race, you know, we pitted yep. by them. They were racing at the time. And, yeah, we were just always friends. And, you know, their careers were, were better, you know. They made main events and stuff like that. But I just, for me, the racing side of it, I just, I didn't have it. You know, I was if I wasn't going to be a top guy. And the guys I was around with, like, Chisholm and, and Sipes in that era. Yeah. And I think Chisholm did great, right? Like, he's still racing. And I look at it and I was like, man, would I still be doing that? But for myself, my path, I, I like my path. So nothing against Kyle. I think he likes what he does. But yep. I, we're just different paths as all.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right? Um, and so to see the team where it is now, where they get factory KTMs, you know, Blake Baggett won a Supercross, right? Blake Baggett won a national moto. Uh, yeah. and, and that went from a, tr- a team that had a pickup and a trailer and the brothers rode Hondas. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's an incredible uh, climb. And you've yeah, been, I mean, you've been there the whole time or you saw it the Yeah, whole
1: time. The, so yeah, I mean been involved somewhere or another. But yeah, in the early days even, you know, we had like eight riders. I think there's a Racer X spread one time at Southwick. You know, it's the Butler brothers, it's JT, it's Doug DeHaan. it's, you know, Skinner and Bonnie or something. It was so crazy. I remember working for JT and I've heard him tell this story. He blew up a motor every time he was on the track. We almost got him Townley's motor. Townley was hurt at Honda. And then they, like, gave it to us. They took it away. They gave it to us. But, like, it was just a, a shit show, really, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. We were yeah. a disaster. We didn't have parts. And, and then it it grew and got better and better. And once they got more support, I think once they got the KTM support, it really did change. You know, Blake had the red plate in outdoors a few years ago. He won yeah. two outdoor nationals. Um, I do think that Michael Byrne had a – had a big, uh, yeah, you know, yep. a big role in, in kind of helping the direction of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest is really good with sponsors and and does that side of it really well. Michael worked really good with the riders, so it was good for Forrest to bring in somebody like Michael and and work with the riders. So, I mean, it's awesome what he can do. I think our sport needs people like that team. You know, we don't know how long Genova will stay around. We've seen it with other teams like mm-hmm. the Valley Yamaha team. Oh and,
0: God, I mean, name them, right? WBR yeah. Valley yeah, Yamaha. Can, I mean, just yeah, you them.
1: could go on and on with how many teams didn't make it, and I think they're the longest running one you know currently other than pro circuit is considered it but i don't really consider pro circuit a you know an individual team effort but um yeah i think it's it's awesome what they've done i think it's pretty cool i mean a lot of ups and downs but i think it's really cool what they've done
0: do you see yourself just um you know staying with get and athena and, and the 83 compound Do you see yourself doing anything else is there another goal for you or do you is that kind of where you're at what you're doing is what you want to do
1: I mean, for me, I'm happy. Um, I'm close to, I don't have much family. I'm just close with my dad. Mm-hmm. And he's here in Florida, and he's had some, you know, he's had some sicknesses and things. And I want to be here. I like I like Florida. Um, I don't want to say I'll never move, but I would like to stay here. Uh, there's a lot of growth for Athena. We've, we've purchased a company in Tennessee that did car gaskets. So there is a lot of room to grow in the company. Mm-hmm. And I think the company's awesome. They're really family-oriented. So my goal would be to stay here. Yeah, that that is my goal. But they also give me a lot of leeway with the 83 stuff, where I can. Yeah, go I think enjoy. it's awesome.
0: They seem like a great company to work for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they, you know, I do that. My work always gets done. And then, you know, I've built these relationships. As you know, we've talked about on shows. You know, Ricky Carmichael will call me and say, Hey, man, come on up. I got a bunch of stuff I need to sell. And I'll load an empty trailer up drive to Ricky's. And I've done it at Timmy's and Chad's and cooper Webb now and like when these guys are moving and stuff it's kind of like i'm the go-to to call i have so many connections in south florida and, and these small bike shops that love having you know one-off products and things like that you know so
0: right um, um.
1: i, I yeah, I do plan on staying here. That's that's the goal. So
0: um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, you're definitely a man that's well connected. A lot of people like you. You know a lot of people in the industry, uh, and you know anybody just has to listen to the Pulp Max Fantasy Podcast to hear your amazing stories of of doing different things for different guys. <laughs> it's 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 simply phenomenal. Um, let's talk about JT a little bit and working for him. Uh, what was the angriest he got at you? Like, so we've always made fun of JT in a lighthearted way for being serious right JT serious my buddy Fernand used to call him that all the time he would just uh we had we've had numerous fans over the years tell us about how JT would just snarl at them at the races right just just sit there like he he was serious and he was he was there to race and and you know that was how he made his money and he and you know he had an amazing career What, what was the maddest he ever got at you
1: well, I have one racing side and one non-racing side. Okay. So on the racing side, uh, we went to Montreal, and JT was like, he took these off-season races, like, you know, they yeah. were like yeah. Anaheim one. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm going to Montreal to party. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have a great time, right? So we get there, and, and we get our bike done and everything else, and, and he qualifies terrible or whatever. He leaves me at the stadium. It's snowing, by the way. And our yeah. hotel's, like, not connected. So I, I – Believe I started walking in the snow back to the stadium, and he comes in his car, you know, pulls up, picks me up, takes me back, and I'm like, dude, you just left me there. It's like Saturday qualifying practice, you know. And uh, I think he ended up getting second that night uh, behind Nick Way, maybe, or maybe even won that night, but. The point was, is that's what JT did. He took it so serious. He would get so mad at us for for no reason. I didn't do anything wrong, right? Like, Mike was was great, (laughs) you know? But he just left me there. Uh, But one of the funniest stories is that he broke his leg at U.S. Open one year. I don't remember what year it was.
0: Um, Matt Bonney? Yep.
1: Yeah, exactly. So he was, like, living on my couch, and we would play video games, and – we would play NCAA basketball or football, and he would make me—he'd be the Gators or somebody good. Right. and I would be like Navy or Army, right? They're like terrible, and I beat him. And he got so mad, saying the game was rigged. He leaves, but we had plans that night. Like, he was going on like a double date or something, and he leaves his house, drives one hour home, and I'm calling him. I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, this chick's gonna be here." Yeah. yeah. He got so mad, he drove all the way home, got to his house. Realized how dumb he was. Turned around, drove all the way back. So two hours of driving, <laughs> just over a video game. Over <laughs> a video game. <laughs> That's how JT was. But I mean, I got numerous stories of. We spent a week in Spain, and yeah. uh, man, we we used to have so much fun. Uh, and we joke about it. We do a guys trip every year with him and Parabinos and everybody, and we joke about the old times.
0: He really made the most out of his talent. I mean, he he'll tell you he had no talent, but he absolutely did. But. He didn't have a ton of it, and he, you know, he was good Loretta's rider and a good guy. But, he, you know, he made a lot of money. He rode for Factory Husky. Now, insert your joke here. But it's a factory team. Uh, he absolutely stretched out a uh, what he what he had to the absolute limit.
1: Hundred percent. He yep. he was really he's a smart person, right? Where he's at now at WPS and anything he does, whether it's racer X or with you, he's a very smart person and when he raced you could see his intelligence right he knew what he had to do to get in in an lcq that's why he was known for the lcq guy he knew that he just had to get through the first turn where you watch these guys nowadays they like just go for it and they crash on lap one or jt was a smart racer and uh, we joke with jake weimer sometimes that his career could have went a lot longer we think had he not been so smart but jake wouldn't take those risks you know jake Mm -hmm. was like, hey. I'm not going to take those risks. But JT was a very calculated rider as well and
0: and you know JT once told me that the one thing he could control was his fitness, you know what I mean? He couldn't have a good his bike, he couldn't have as much talent as some guys, but he could control his fitness. And late in the race, here comes JT doing 213s the whole race, but he'll get you. You may do some 207s or whatever, but he'll get you by the end.
1: JT was always that guy we thought would just come in one day and just like, you know, Math murder all of us, you know, because everybody was just so hard on him. Timmy and Red Dog and, and yeah. Chad were so hard on him, you know, and, you know, he would, just, he would just take it and just do his laps, load up in the van with the 10,000 dirty air filters and set the gear and just, <laughs> just drive it home.
0: Uh, oh, he got banned from Timmy him and Curry with the ruts. <laughs> right timmy yeah. Timmy banned them from his place that was a great story
1: oh uh, man there's been some good stories over the years a lot of them that we we can't talk about in public yeah, but, yeah. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of fun and i mean i give jt a ton of respect uh, uh, you know i look up to jt i think he's done great with his after career and i still talk to him every day and lean on him for advice on things just in life so
0: did you ever do you ever, you ever hit him up with a text and tell him how good the fox gear looks because i've done that it doesn't go well yeah.
1: Oh yeah, this weekend, me and Paul do it all the time. We sent him a picture of Paul's new Fox gear, and he's just like, "I mean, it's not my favorite," is what he'll say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we know JT, you, you yeah. bleed fly. <laughs>
0: um, hey, how about the time the Butler brothers swept the Toronto Supercross podium? What a night!
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. We had a great time. So. Anybody that doesn't remember, it wasn't a points-paying race for the 250 class back then. Mm-hmm. So you could go if you wanted to go. Guys like Davalos and Sipes and some others went, and and they had a bad night, or I don't even know if they were there that night, but. Uh Bonnie, Skinner, and Cunningham went 1, 2, 3. And then I think Ricky, Chad, and James went 1, 2, 3 in the 450 class. And, you know, everybody thought we were just as good as them, right? Like, we went to the nightclubs. We had VIP tables. It was great. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It
1: was such a great time. We're like, yeah, we just went 1, 2, 3 at the Supercross.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about that, right?
1: We had some legit podiums. I think Bonnie did get a legit podium at uh, mm-hmm. in 250 class at, yep. at Daytona one year, and and some other things. But uh, Cunningham had some heat race wins and things like that. It was. It was a fun time. I don't regret any of that. and I mean, I learned so much from being a, as you know, man, I slept in the semi many nights, you know. Oh, God,
0: yeah, right. Just
1: Uh, like the things people don't understand. We slept four people through a room. Uh, The first race, Forrest thought it was a good idea that the riders and the mechanics slept together, which was a terrible idea because the mechanics were just getting hammered. And (laughs) the riders were trying to sleep before the races. So that only lasted a round or two. But, uh, yeah, just crazy times.
0: Yeah, totally right. Um, and yeah, I look back. I slept at the at the F M F race shop on an air mattress with like I heard the the rats scurrying around at night, like you know things like that that people would never do. You just you'd never do it. I went, I went, I went years Dan with no mailing address. Like I just lived in a box fan with with a gear bag, right? But I loved it. It was just it's what I wanted to do.
1: So. Yeah, you just didn't know. Like for me, I was. I thought at that point I thought I wanted to be a race mechanic, right? That's why I started looking elsewhere. When Paul went to pro circuit, I really didn't wasn't ready for that. But a year or so later, I was like, ah, maybe I'll do that. So then I considered the pro circuit thing. Yeah. Um, Where I live, Feld Entertainment is here, Mm -hmm. and even in the later years, I've I'm very close with all the Feld people. I talk to them all the time, and I considered wanting to work there. I thought maybe that's what I want to do, but for me that really limits my outside sources my 83 stuff or yeah. going to the races and things like that and i would rather make say less money and be happy um than than do that kind of stuff not that I wouldn't be happy there i yeah. don't wanna say like that but for me i think that uh, yeah i learned so much from being a race mechanic as you did i bet you know you learned so much in life yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely right you're right um i know you don't I don't know. You don't really ride anymore, right? I know you had a big crash. I don't know five years ago now on a Cowie. Um, do you do you ride much anymore?
1: Um, I have a bike, a brand new bike. Chad and the the guys at Mountain Motorsports hooked me up after Chad's last season. Um, got me a Cowie four hundred and fifty. I was always a Cowie guy, and I've ridden it three times in a year. Maybe yeah. I had a big crash. I had a big crash at the end of seventeen. Okay, and had a had a head injury going into that was that year. I worked for Chad, and um, I still have effects of it a little bit. Just. You know, little things. I never had head injuries growing up, luckily. That was my first one, and it just happened to be a really bad one. But, uh, yeah, I will go ride for fun. But right now it's 100 degrees in Florida. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go put riding gear on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I work all day. I don't, I don't really want to go ride. But I think this summer, uh, Burner's talking about riding a little bit. We'll go out to the compound and, and spin some laps and have fun. Uh, I think I'm done with the Loretta's days. I promised myself I would. in 2015 I went back there. Oh, you did? Okay, and, yeah. Yeah, the year Paul won. Oh, that's uh, right, because
0: we were laughing, because Paul, like, obviously Paul is super Johnny serious, and you were hammered one night, the night before the moto, or I don't remember, we were laughing. Yeah, yeah.
1: I wasn't as serious. I whole shot at the first plus 25 moto, and I'm like, whoa, and uh, Tortelli and Renner passed me. I'm like, man, man, I don't belong up here. Like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. you know, your your mind thinks you're as good as you used to be, and yeah. my, bo- my body was still at the beer tent from the night before, so I'm like, this is not good. So, I told myself, I'd never go back unless I was actually in really good shape because it's just too dangerous. Um, well, that's what
0: I was going to ask you. So I, I, I'm frustrated. Like I don't – at my peak, you know, which was uh, uh, whatever, like I got points at a Canadian national and stuff and, and um, 500 nationals at Millville, I was never a good jumper at my peak. And now that I'm old and fatter, I'm, I'm even worse on jumps. <laughs> and I don't jump stuff and I get frustrated and I know I just – the Kiefer gets on me all the time. You know, he wants me to ride more and all this. And, dude, I just – it's frustrating for me. I'm not saying I was anywhere near your level or these guys that we, we cover and talk about. But, dude, I, I just think I suck now, and I don't want to go dirt bike riding, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, for, for me, I mentally think I'm as good as I always was. And yeah, yeah. I can still go fast, you know, for a lap or so, mainly in the sand. I grew up in Florida in the sand, and mm-hmm. I like sand tracks. But, uh, yeah, I've now that I'm older, I'm married, I have kids, I've really tried to be smart about you know riding a dirt bike i hate to see it but you know guys our age go out and i think they think they can go as fast as they used to Mm -hmm. and that's when they have big crashes and and honestly that when i had that crash in 17 i made a dumb mistake and on a jump and i mean had i been in better shape and stuff maybe that wouldn't have happened you know so i think it's important especially at our age and i know you've don't love what Rhino says, but Rhino did do a video and saying, "Hey, listen, if you're going to ride, even for fun, try to be strong and in shape because it could make a big difference." You know.
0: Oh, I <laughs> you agree with that. No, that's fine. Did. Yeah. Did he then tell you about how great he was? Um, <laughs> what What happened to Rhino loving everybody and then now, you know, Rhino was like, "Cool man, hippie love, everybody's cool." I'm just trying to help turn a motorcycle into now saying like, he's the only one who knows how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> what happened? To, what What changed with Rhino? That's
1: my. Yeah, opinion. I don't know. I mean, I listened to all of his videos and. I think you just have to listen to him and, and take what you want from him. But sometimes he does say some stuff that makes I sense. Just, sometimes he's on a different planet. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I I think that's why some of these riders lean on guys like myself or Paul or you or whoever. is. We we kind of listen to everybody, right? We've seen it all. We've seen the back sides of it. I mean, I mean, the stuff that we could go on about what Chad would do to win, um, I mean, the guy would literally chop off his fingers if he had to if yeah. it meant winning a race, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't see that in many people anymore in our sport, which is kind of sad where everyone's got a factory ride and they just kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. But Chad, I wasn't as close to Ricky and James when they were winning, but I can promise you they were doing the same thing. You know, Ricky's told me some stories nowadays of I mean, in he, the past.
0: He used to ride with Yogi, and then when he got to the 50 class, he's like, yeah, Yogi, we can't ride together anymore. You know, <laughs> like his lifelong friend. Like, see you later.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would just do anything to win. And the cool thing about being at the compound is, I can tell some of these guys these stories. And man, out of all the guys there, uh, uh, Cooper's obviously newer there, but Hunter Lawrence, he wants to win. Jets just kind of a freak talent. And, you know, he's kind of young or whatever. But Hunter. That guy wants to win. Like, I honestly feel like he would do anything to win. You know, he's been doubted his whole career. He's been injured a lot. But he's got a lot of Chad in him where he's just like, yeah, whatever. If I got to do this, if I got to live here, if I got to train here, if I yeah. got to go, I'll do it. And it's cool to see that in some of these younger kids that
0: uh, do have it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely right. I'm, I'm kind of with you a little bit. I don't want to be the guy who walked uphill to school both ways. But the yeah. Ricky James Chad era was a little different era than what we're living in now. That's
1: for sure. Yeah, just, you know, that they would ride through injuries. And, I mean, God, man, Chad – and I can only say Chad, I'm sure Ricky and James and maybe Wyndham and Davey and all these other guys in that era. But, I mean, Chad did some crazy things, you know, to, to win races. You know, that he was injured. I mean, he dislocated his shoulder before Anaheim won one year. And they're like, yeah, you're out for the season. He's like, no, I'm not. And they're like, well, yeah, you are. And he's like, oh, we'll figure it out, you know. And you're talking about, like –
0: did uh did some of the Chad stuff, and we know some of the stuff he did that, in my opinion, didn't really affect his racing at all. You know, with with rocks and 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 different people he talked to, and different advisors he leaned on. Did you ever tell him, dude, what are you doing?
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, what are you doing, but, dude? <laughs> <clears throat> but. He had to try those things because people in positions to where he was paying these people were telling him, "Hey, listen, this is what you have to do." Okay. So,
0: so he again just room. going going to do whatever it takes to win. He he goes and tries it.
1: Right, but you got to remember at those times we were friends. I wasn't working for him, so it was you know I was like, he, you know, sometimes he'd be like, "Hey, what do you think?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, I don't think that machine that is." on you is going to make you go faster on Saturday <laughs> night. I, I don't believe that. I mean, yeah. not when you were at the bar the night before. You know, like, so some things were counterproductive, but I think that was just him willing yeah. to do anything to win, well. where if this guy was training, you know, Ricky or whoever he trained, I mean, I think they worked with uh, Carmichael, at the, you know, the trainer Carmichael. Uh, Timmy worked with that guy Oh, yeah, one Chris time. Carmichael, yeah. The, yeah, and yeah. they did crazy things, too. You know, like, everybody did some stuff that was out of the ordinary. But yeah. – I mean, their I just results think, showed.
0: I just think, in my mind, fundamentally, like ride your dirt bike, you know, ride your bicycle here and there, eat right, go to bed, like you know what I mean, go to bed at yeah, the right so, time. Like I just, I don't think those things change over the years. You're not going to find I, an I edge. I agree
1: with, I agree with that, but they all do that, right? So we can kind of agree that Cooper Webb's one of the most mentally talented person in our sport yeah, currently. Yeah. Yeah. And being around Cooper day in and day out, he's looking for that like. percent edge over kenny or marv right he's not looking for five percent he's not going to get five percent there isn't five percent to give or to get so the little things that he does to recover his body or to you know man he goes into this like dark place at the end of motos even on practice days and he'll start yelling at his mechanic and yelling at us and people don't see it every day so when you see it for the first time it's kind of strange but being around it he just wants to win. Like that's all he wants to do. he he's there at the gym. He's yeah. you know, like and mm-hmm. I don't know, it's I see like Chad and these guys and they did that, but then you see some I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but there are some top guys in our sport that just kinda of slide through that probably have more talent than the guys winning. You know, but they just yeah. do just enough. Yeah. Just enough.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Dan Truman. Thank you to Fly Racing and, of course, the folks at Maxxis and Rental, and also Kobolinks. It's been over 25 years since Kobolinks lowered the first motorcycle. They're based in Idaho. They made the uh, Suzuki DR350 seat height a little shorter back in the day, and today they have lowering suspension links for everything from Aprilia to Yamaha, used by trail riders, motocross racers, and adventure tours. Each link seen seat in Idaho for riders of all ages, heights, and abilities. Increase your plushness, improve your cornering, gain confidence by having a lower center of gravity. This just lowers the bike, makes it easier to control. So if you're a shorter guy or for your wife or girlfriend, it makes riding a whole lot easier. Cobalinks.com Get 15% off any link and free shipping by using the code PulpMX. Cobalinks.com Built in Boise, ridden and raced everywhere. You can get Kobolinks at Motorsport. Go through the banner on Pulpomex.com or Pulpomexshow.com to uh, Go to Motorsport, make your purchase, and that helps us out a little bit. we got a whole section of sponsors on there, and uh, we've got some special show deals on there. I know we were giving away some tubes and things like that. Thank you to Motorsport.com. OEM and aftermarket parts are available from those guys. Free shipping on anything over 79 bucks. Again, RV, Filthy feel myself, Motorsport.com. they got a dedicated team of gearheads over there, whether it's uh, dirt bikes, stride-by-sides, that street bike stuff that jt and Weej like and more motorsport.com man if you uh are, aren't happy with motorsport.com or have a question use the form on contact use the contact form on pulpmx.com send me an email let me know what was up and i will pass that on to the powers of B to handle it for you thanks to motorsport for the support of all things pulp if you're not ordering from there go ahead and try it let me know what you think thanks to motorsport.com all right back to the podcast um let's go back to your mini days uh does your dad race and ride? Does he get you the first uh, bike? Like how does how do you get started riding, racing dirt bikes?
1: Yeah, so my dad always had motorcycles, mainly street bikes and things like that. Got me a little four wheeler, a little Suzuki Quad fifty, and then uh, from there I I got a you know whatever bike he could come up with. It was actually a CR sixty back then. Uh, they don't most yeah. people don't even know what those are. They
0: only made them for a couple so, of years, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I had a CR sixty in Date City with our local track and. Um, I wasn't old enough to race. You had to be seven at the time to race the 60 class. It was like a seven to 11 class. I was only six. So we, we lied about my age and just said I was seven so we could race. Um, I raced and kind of just took it on and we didn't know anything about it. And then, uh, I met a, a friend racing named Donnie McGordy. Uh, he was a past Canadian champion and, uh, they had a little bit more money family side. And his dad was like, well, you know, Dan's a little bit better than Donnie. You know, why don't I kind of take him to all these races, and it would help everybody, right? It would help Donnie because sure. we were riding together. And then, so without George and those guys taking me to the races, I probably would have never even done anything. But, you know, he took me to, like, Lake Whitney and Mosier and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I was pretty good as an amateur. And I never raced six. I was a big guy. I was still big. Yep. Um, so I raced uh, 80 class back then. I think it was 96, 97. I went to Loretta's. James won, Brock Kepler got second, um, a kid named Brandon Layton got third, he he passed away, oh, yeah, and yeah. I got I got fourth overall. I think I went like 7-3-3 at Loretta's, and that was like the first time I ever raced a big race. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, you're like, oh, got my, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my first sponsor from the race. You know, I, I had borrowed boots on. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. yeah I have what a, did your I dad do for a
0: living? What did your mom and dad do for a living back then? Like so.
1: Yeah, my, my dad was a uh, construction worker. You know, he okay. just uh, put up metal buildings and stuff. And uh, my parents split up when I was very young. I'm still close with both of them. Uh, they still live here, but and, and they're still friends, too. But, uh, yeah, we just didn't have much money. My dad was a construction worker. And, okay. You know, and yep. that was it. You know, I had one bike and went to the races. And So I went to Loretta's that year. I got fourth overall and uh a guy named harry o i don't even know if he's in the industry anymore or not but he was at thor at the time and he's yeah like,
0: hey, i remember like, harry o
1: yeah yeah he's like hey you know do you have a gear and i'm like i think sponsor? he's a What's dj i think like, he's a dj is
0: he <laughs> Last time i thought i think he was a dj yeah harry o
1: i'd have to look him up so yeah he was the first one and then he's like oh man i know this guy you know anthony paggio and like i kind of got involved with all this group of florida people and they kind of took me under their wing and, and helped me out a lot i uh I went to Englishtown, I beat James on a Moto at Englishtown, uh, and it was a Kawasaki race. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. And,
1: and Craig Martin was uh Craig Martin's a listener to the show and um he was like, "Yeah, it would have been great if you beat James on another bike, but you're on a Cali, and Cali won anyway." So like, <laughs> you know, like he's like, "Thanks," basically. And um and, you know, it might have been Ron Heben then. I think Ron was before Craig. Yeah. And yeah. uh Craig is the one who gave me my Team Green ride, so I won a championship at Mini-Os. I won the Olympiad award or okay. whatever it is for the whole week like the B class. So they combine back then they used to combine 250 and, you know, yep. 125 back then. Um and I won the whole week. I won the Olympiad Award for the B-Class, and uh, I was a young kid. I was like 14 or 15, and he's like, man, you're really young. You could ride schoolboy still. And mm-hmm. said, yeah, and I think they offered me like two bikes or something. It wasn't nothing crazy. But to me, that was awesome. Oh, right? yeah, like, right? I'm like, my dad's like, what, two bikes? <laughs> he's like, we're in. So, yeah, that's kind of where it went. I rode for Team Green for the rest of my career, um, whatever short career it was until until 2004. But, yeah, I mean, as an amateur, just kind of, local stuff and race anything we could race and had fun with it and yeah i was really lucky to meet some good people craig martin was a big part of that and um i still remember conversations he had with me one of them at muddy creek i I wasn't big into training
2: Uh, Uh, yeah
1: (laughs) i'll be honest I, i was into girls and and having a good time and um I should have won a lot of races. Uh, Loretta's the year in the B class. The only year I raced B class, I led the moto at halfway and looked back at a huge lead. Me and Ryan Mills, an ex-racer, were the night before at a creek, you know, doing bad things with girls and
2: <laughs>
1: and, and you know until three or four in the morning. And uh, Sipes caught me and passed me. And, and Craig Martin was like, you know, pretty much told me I was pathetic.
0: Oh really? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And. He told me straight up, he's like, you don't have a ride for next year unless you're on the podium, and I said, fair enough. I mean, I I look back at it now, and I get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah, I got third. I did just enough <laughs> to get <laughs> to get a podium and keep my ride for two more years.
0: Oh, wow. So, Jesus. Yeah. So, at that so, point, you're just like, I got to figure this out. I got to get a little better. Today. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: we didn't have the money to, to buy more bikes and do right. stuff, so I, I needed the help, and I oh. had a lot of talent. I'm kind of one of those guys that had the talent and, and didn't put in the work, and I mean... I learned from it, right?
0: Uh, now you're the guys that you hate in Pulp Mix Fantasy. You're one of the guys that you hate in Pulp Mix Fantasy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a quitter though. Okay, good point. I, good point. Yeah, I don't think quitting is good.
0: Um so you you James is like in your class, Chiz is in your class, I guess the same kind of category. Are you hanging out with those guys at all back then?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, our families were close at all the local races, Chiz and Donna and Gary Chiz. and Oh, Bear.
0: What about Bear? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Gare Bear, man. I love him. <laughs> he's a
0: beauty. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> he's a beauty.
1: <laughs> I can't believe he still does it. It's crazy. I, I give him so much credit. Dude. But, yeah, yeah. And, and Big James and my dad, they're actually still friends. Uh, they go to car shows together and, and stuff like that, and I'll go over to see Malcolm and stuff. And, you know, back then Malcolm didn't really wasn't into racing So mm-hmm. uh, when we were younger. But, yeah, we'd hang out. There's a bunch of Florida families, Parabinos and, and the Butlers, like I said. We'd always did, go to races together.
0: Did uh, James have the compound at some point when you were little, or when did he get no,
1: that? No, he got the compound – Towards the end of his 85 days, okay. um, that's when they stepped into it. Yeah. But um, I never really went there when I was younger because we raced every weekend. You yeah, know, yeah. We were going like muddy Georgia series, mega series, and then we'd come back home and didn't really do much riding during the week. Um, I started driving when I was 14, which was a bit of a, you know, my dad had to work. My yep. parents were split up. So my dad's like, if you want to continue this, we've got to figure something out. So we got a little three-rail trailer hooked it up to this blazer, and my story was if I ever got pulled over, I just told him I took it without my dad knowing. And, uh, man, I'd go to practice tracks, and, you know, Ronnie Tishner was <clears throat> was helping me out uh, for free because uh-huh. he, he just seen a lot in me back then. And he's like, I can't believe that you're driving here. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do, Ronnie? He's like, I know. but And Ronnie will tell you, one day at Hard Rock, JT's place, he was probably there that day, uh, I crashed. I was riding RM-125. Uh, shouldn't even been on a 125 at the time, and the thing went into neutral, and I broke my femur. And Ronnie was just like, "How'd you get here? Where?" Like, you know, yeah. it was like one of the first times where I'm like, "I drove here, Ronnie." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, Ronnie's having to take care of this little 14 year old kid. that yeah. <laughs> You know. Uh, but
0: JT King, kind of King of Hard Rock. JT King of Hard Rock.
1: Oh yeah, we were telling JT Hard Rock stories the other day because we were trying to ride some hard pack tracks before Unadilla. and
0: uh-huh.
1: Berner was like, "Ah, we could probably go to Hard Rock." He's like, man, I don't know if they're even open anymore. And he's like, I went there one time. JT was like six seconds faster than me. He's like, I was podium the week before. (laughs) He's like, I podium the week before, and then JT was six seconds faster than Hard Rock. Uh,
0: So you would ride Dade City and Hard Rock and Reddick was around. Reddick was around. Yeah, yeah, Reddick.
1: And then um, McGordy luckily had a private track. So I really kind of spent most of my time there just riding at his place, you know, staying there, crashing on his couch and and riding there. But, yeah, I mean – amateur days i could have put a lot more work in i think coulda shoulda woulda but i don't know that it would have changed my outcome i I think i'm happy with my outcome right i think i'm happy with where i'm at and i probably would have been a struggling privateer for you know many years i don't think i was going to ever get like a factory ride you know things were different back then so
0: yeah for sure deal when do you meet uh red dog how do you how do you meet red dog
1: i met i knew red dog from south Florida days paul curry is a good friend of mine Mm -hmm. and paul curry and, and red dog were close and, uh, I would ride at Timmy's and then Timmy and Chad, when Chad came to America, they would go ride at McGordy's a little bit. And so we were always close, but man, Timmy and Evie went through their phases, you know, where they were like, I think they banned Chad and JT at one time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there was definitely phases, you know, you know, but yeah. me and Red Dog are really close nowadays, um, I text him daily uh, i'm at his house probably once a week, and yeah. you know we joke about stuff and old stories and um, he
0: he still got that rubber mark on his uh on his uh, garage floor from where Chad did the burnout and the, and the bike <laughs> jumped into gear he's very angry about that.
1: He's so angry about everything. But typical red dog, right? So, like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, he has this UTV I found in his garage that he forgot he had. Uh, (laughs) It's like a kid's UTV. And I'm like, hey, sell me that for my kids. And he's like, oh, yeah. Beckett's probably going to want that. I'm like, you didn't even know you had it to (laughs) me. So I offer him money. He says, no way. Three weeks go by, he calls me. Hey, come get this thing. I'm throwing everything away, you know? <laughs> Typical red dog. I'm like, all right, just had to wait three weeks. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely right. Uh, yeah, that, that does sound about right. Uh, Dan Truman on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by um, uh, guys at Renthal, Renthal.com, Motorsport, uh Kobo Lynx, and, and Maxxis Tires as well. Um, it, but you know what? JT successfully threaded that needle, Dan, of riding at Chad's, riding at Timmy's, and riding with Tortelli. He likes. He threaded that needle perfectly. No, no problems.
1: Man, I, he did very well. Like he was like, I mean, still what he does now, right? He waffles. He plays both sides of, of everything. He was good enough with Chad to keep Chad and Ellie happy. Then he would keep Timmy and Evie happy a little bit, yeah. and then he couldn't lose his Tortelli connection, right? Like so, he'd have to go to Hard Rock, and but no, I mean. We all lived through it. Chad, Chad had his moments. Timmy had his moments. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know Tortelli. That was a little bit before my era, but uh, yeah, yeah. JT did good, man. He was he was always respected. I and mean, we went through a small patch in '18 where the VIP thing really. Oh yeah,
0: him, yeah. That was that was not good. I got caught in some of those group texts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a bummer because we needed the money to go racing for Chad. And um, JT runs a VIP program with the Rocky Mountain team. Yep. And, I mean, I honestly, I I ran that VIP program, you know, or not ran it, but, you know, did some of it back in the early days. Yeah, um, yeah, they were very similar, but there was enough room with everybody. Uh, We never really had issues. And and once that was brought to light that there was enough for everybody, then then we all kind of figured it out.
0: So you're working with Chad. You're becoming close friends with Chad. Even though you're not working for him, you're also just his buddy, you know, hanging out with uh, him and Ellie and, and everybody in that group. Are you no longer talking to Stu? Like, because you can't really okay. do both, right? Like, it's not back then. you you got to be Team Stu or Team Chad. Uh, and, yeah. and and so, you know, Chiz is Team Stu, and then Chiz flips at some point and becomes Team Chad. Uh, you know, it was a lot of drama. But what's your relationship like at that time with James and, and Big James and all that?
1: Yeah, so once, the amp, once James kind of went pro... And I became a mechanic.
0: That was it. <laughs> uh,
1: that was that was kind of it. I mean, we we obviously talked a little bit at the races, but James had so much of the spotlight on him, and yeah. and that era, I just we really disconnected. Um, it, it was pretty pretty far down the road until we ever really crossed paths again. I would say almost until his Suzuki days, where we became close again. Yeah. Not close, but like w- we kind of talked a little bit more. Yeah, um, Yeah. I knew Renee, his mechanic from Suzuki, uh, he was a Florida guy, he was a Florida mechanic, so it kind of brought us back to like the relationship of being friends, but everything had was so secretive with both Chad and and James you couldn't be friends with both no, of
0: them. you know no.
1: Sor- Sorby tried it, everyone tried it you know you 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 had to pick sides, and for me, um, I made money off Chad, not not off of Chad, but he, he opened doors for me and, and opportunities where with James, I would have just been a friend. Right. So,
2: um,
1: I went the Chad route and then, man, it was so awesome though. I was a big part of trying to connect them back after, you know, they went and played golf this year and and I go over to Stu's place, you know, and hang out and it was cool for them to put everything behind them. And and Ricky and Chad too, they're, they were hanging out today at Loretta's. They've become pretty close friends. And I think that it just shows they didn't really hate each other. They just wanted to win. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yep. I don't. I don't believe Cooper Webb really hates these guys he's racing against. Uh, maybe Kenny, but other than that, he just wants to win. You know. Yep. And I think that's where, um, that's where a lot of it comes from. So I,
0: I can't believe how much Ricky has changed from his racing days. I mean, you know, him and I didn't speak for a long time, and we're we're fine now. And and part of our deal was, you know, a little bit of my media work, but also a little bit of like, hey, he didn't like Timmy. And I, Timmy didn't like him. So then if Timmy doesn't like him, then I don't like him, right? That's the kind of mechanic 100%. I was. And he, Ricky, I mean, he would, he would, he would have done anything to beat, beat anybody on the track. You know, he would have, he would have done anything. And you talk to him now, and he, and I'm not saying he's fake or anything. He's just had a different perspective in life. As he told me, he's gone through a lot of things in his life. And I can't believe how much he's changed because back then, dude, he would, he, he wouldn't have put, uh, uh, he would have more gas on Chad if Chad was on fire. You know, what 100%. What I mean? Yeah, it was and, insane. And I,
1: I, I give Ricky a lot of credit. I mean, me or you. I mean, maybe you're at that level in the media level where you're in, in everybody's face. You know, like in, in everyone's ears, and they hear you every week. But I've never been under the spotlight like that, like Ricky and yeah. Chad and James. And it's got to be hard. And they would do anything to win. And man, I got a text from Ricky. I want to say it was six or eight months ago, and it, just out of nowhere. And, and we've become close don't get me wrong, but he just texted me, hey, man, I seen you were, you know, here and here and here, like, I don't know how you do it, I just wanted to say, you know, you're awesome for, you know, working yeah. so hard for your family and stuff like that, it was like a pretty meaningful text and I was like, man, that's that's pretty cool, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. you know, he's just like, I know, I know how much you work and all this stuff, and I was like, man, that's pretty cool, you know, like, yeah. to get that from Ricky, and when I was around Chad all the time, even as his friend, it was like, you know, you don't talk to Ricky, you don't oh, talk yeah, to Goose, yeah. you know, you don't talk to this guy, but then Goose starts working for Chad, and I'm like, well, now am I allowed to talk to Goose?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's like, so, Ricky, man, I've traveled the world with him now, Australia, New Zealand... And we've had so much fun, and he is a different person. But he also went through a lot of life things with yeah. his family and yeah. personal stuff. And but, I, but, I told you, like, a year or two back, I was like, Ricky will come on your show. And you were like, yeah, right. And I was like, I'm telling you, like, he's a different person. And, you know, and then obviously he's been on there. Yeah.
0: Show. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy to look back because, I mean, we lived it, right? I, 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 Me as a mechanic for Timmy, I was around that a lot, and, and you too. And, like, these dudes, they hated each other. And I don't know, like – I don't think Kenny and Coop hate each other like those guys did. That was a different era, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, there was racist stuff being said. I mean, not coming from the riders side, but the fans, they were like picking sides back then, and I think people forget because there was no social media, but like, it was pretty gnarly, I mean, James had full security guys walking at the races, and and people were like, you know, in each other's faces in line, I mean, Chad at Jacksonville in 09, like, grabbing James, like, it was real hate, you know what I mean, it wasn't just like some social media banter back and forth, it was, it was real hate, like, but just to win, you know, you look at Chad's stats, and I don't think he gets enough, I mean, he gets enough credit, but he lost three titles or two or three titles by two points, I think, yeah. two or three points. Like, he could easily be a five-time or six-time champ. He lost them to Ricky and James. Um, You know, I think that's what's cool about RV and, and Dungey, Man, those guys were they were badass, you know, without the hate. They just kind of, like, you know, put their yeah. head down and did the work. So I think that those guys deserve a lot of credit, too. I was
0: very surprised that Chad, knowing Chad when he came on Factory Yamaha as a rookie and, knowing him through the years. And even him and I went through some rough stuff too, where, I mean, I just thought he acted like an asshole a couple of times at Yamaha, you know? And, yep. and and he gave everyone a team on on the team a bonus except for me one year. And I was fine with that because I didn't like the guy and he didn't like me. But anyways, I was very surprised that Chad went out the way he did. And I, and I don't care. I'm not judging him because I'm not in his career and he can do whatever he wants. Uh, uh, but making, you know, going through the LCQs and, and, and you know, barely doing it. And you know, happy with the top ten. Hey, listen, he, what do you want to do? And no problem. I told him that. But I was surprised that Chad went that long uh, and rode like he did. Uh, are you?
1: Yeah, a little bit. And I will give Chad credit. He always took care of his people. You know, his bonuses for his mechanics. Even when two two folded, he spent his own money to make sure yeah. everybody got paid.
0: Oh no, I was uh, just saying it. Just that—that that was the yeah. level we were at. Him and I. Yeah,
1: yeah. for sure. And. And he will hold a grudge. Uh, he will hold a grudge against you if you hated him. He made it a point to not give you a bonus, right? Yeah, like He yeah. did that on purpose. Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah. But
1: uh, I agree. I thought that he would kind of end his way or whatever just kind of like on top. Or if he started uh, you know, getting LCQs like we were going to pull the plug. But in 18, he was really good going into the 18 season. And then he got hurt at straight rhythm. And it was a pretty bad injury, yeah. and he had committed to all these sponsors, right? Like he had people paying him, and he was like, "Listen, we got to go racing." And I'm like, "But you can't even stand up." We did his photo shoot off of uh, cut his walking boot off, did his photo shoot, and then flew to California. He had never even ridden he uh, not on that bike. Yeah. So I was like, "This makes no sense. This isn't the Chad that I've known for the last you know 10 years." And then he just did it. He really did it for the fans and to give back, which was a huge surprise to me. Like. I probably still have text on my phone where I was like, uh, are we going racing this weekend? Yeah, Like, you know, we just got 17th, you know, and uh, and then after that year, he didn't want to end it like that. He, so the JGR, I mean, the JGR story is pretty crazy. Like, he didn't have a ride going into 19, and I obviously talked to j Bone and the guys I sponsor him with, Git and Athena and stuff. And uh, I was like, just let us ride the bike. I was like, he'll be good. Let him ride yeah. the bike. And they're like, they're always good about that. They're like, yeah, I mean, you guys want to come ride the bike? And I said, here's where we're in D-chat. I said, we're going to fly up there on a one-way flight. <laughs> I said, we're going to rent a pickup truck, and we're going to show up at the track, and then we're just going to take everything home. And we're just going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're good. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I was like, watch. So we rented a truck from Avis, <laughs> a pickup truck, and we show up at the test track. Me and Chad, we flew up there. I'm in a Git t-shirt. I was going there to do Git stuff anyway.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And Chad, you know, hey, what's up? All right, we're going to ride this bike. We're at the test track. It goes pretty good. He rides out there. you got to remember, he hasn't been riding at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? like, yeah. But,
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's Chad Reed, so I would, I would guess yeah. from what they had, it was going to go well.
1: Yeah, so it was pretty good. And they're like, well... And I have these photos. Maybe I'll share them. And we're, like, laughing. He's, like, they're, like, so what's the plan? I was, like, well, we got 10 days till, Indi- uh, till uh, Ironman. And he's, like, well, should I race it? And I'm, like, why not? Like, what's going to happen? Like, who cares? Yeah. And uh, they're, like, well, how would we get everything? We'd have to send a truck down. I said, no, we got this pickup truck. And they're, like, uh-huh. You guys would drive back? They didn't know we had a one-way flight. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and we literally loaded up, the, loaded up the truck and drove it to Florida that night. Uh, me and Chad, I have the pictures of it. We documented it. It was pretty funny. So we'd load this truck up. We'd drive it back to Florida. Chad rides a few times during the week, and he's like, I feel pretty good. And he's like, I could probably do 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, we go to Indiana, and this is part of my vital scandal that's going on. Uh, <laughs> you know, the first gate's open, and yeah. uh, we're standing there, and we're like, hey, is Eli not going to take this gate? And Kenny kind of looks at it, and there was a grass area, and uh, we it was muddy. The it's mud
0: guy. race, yeah, Mud race. It mud race.
1: Uh, and yeah. we asked the the guy, the AMA guy, I'm like, hey, can Chad go on the grass? And he's like, absolutely. He's like, it's inside yeah. the banners. He goes, they just didn't till it, and. uh that's just trying to do every little thing right it's not cheating it's not whatever you're yeah. just trying to do everything to get an edge and uh chad lined up there he gets the whole shot and you know probably got more coverage in the race definitely than he deserved i he <laughs> mean he barely probably even got top 10 um but that was the whole goal was just yeah. to kind of draw some eyes on it Um uh, you know had he start 20th and get ninth no one would have noticed it yeah, but at least yeah. he was up front so yeah and then after that it kind of worked out yeah. jgr gave him a deal and then uh he podiumed to Supercross that year. Yeah, so it made, like, made
0: Detroit podium. Uh, yeah. it, really, it really should have kept going. Uh, Chad probably was too stubborn. Coy's pretty stubborn. So it didn't – that was a nice fit. Chad moved there. Uh, I think Chad wanted to, to transition into a management role of some sort, a riding coach, like he'd mentioned that to me. And I just think Coy and him, probably two guys that, you know, don't want to listen uh, to each other at times. And I really felt like that was a shame that that didn't work.
1: Yeah, I thought that he would have ended his career there. Yeah. Uh, after After the first year, it went really good. Uh, JGR was awesome to work with. They allowed us to do the VIP program and keep the money towards Chad's program. Uh, that was the year the CBD kind of came out, so Chad was getting some more sponsors. And I thought that he would do one more year there, and, and it was really going to work out. And it was close to happening, but like you said, JGR was in a bit of an unknown situation. And then Coy was really stubborn. There was tire issues. Chad was like, "Well, I don't want to use this tire," and they're like, "Well, you have to use this tire." And Chad's like, "Well, then I don't want to do it." And, you know, right, right.
2: you know
1: right. there was just some disagreements. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, come like November, Chad's like, "I want to go racing again," and I'm like, well, "What do you mean? Where? <laughs> uh, we need a semi. We need <laughs> we need everything." And I'm like, "You gotta be shitting me, man!" <laughs> like, so I mean, yeah. didn't sleep for nights and. We pulled, up, pulled it off, giving to Anaheim, and we rode a, he rode a Honda for half the season. Then we switched to KTM during the pandemic. Then <laughs> we raced the KTM yep. for the second half of the season. But I'll give him credit. It was really hard for him in Salt Lake uh, with no fans. The whole point was to do a one-last-hand yeah. for the fans. Yeah,
0: it, it definitely and, sucked. Yeah,
1: and, and it just sucked because even though he got 10th, right? Like, I think he got 10th of the last race. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. He's like, but... I wasn't here to get tenth. I was here just to kind of give back to the fans and and do that stuff. So, yeah, um, it, I, I did not think he was gonna one even go to the Salt Lake rounds because there was no fans, and two stick it out like he did. It was pretty gnarly.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, full props to him. He did what he wanted. It's cool. Uh, you know what I mean. I just thought he he'd be the type of guy to be like, I ain't hell no. If I'm not if I'm not a factor for at least the top tens, I'm not racing. You know what I mean? But. But yeah, And, you, and like you, you said, though, he, yeah. was,
1: he was very vocal at Yamaha, and he was at all of his teams. And everyone in our sports, like, I wish people would be more honest. But do they really want that? Because Chad was honest, and yeah. then he just was made out to be a crybaby. So I think that they want to say, yeah, riders should be more honest and telling us about their setup and this and that. But then when they do, you're just like, oh, they're just making excuses. So yeah. I don't yeah. know. Our yeah. sports are difficult.
0: It, it is, it is. I know you follow that street bike racing stuff, and it seems like those guys are way more honest.
1: Yeah, they, they're like, "Hey, our bike's gone." but, you know, the yeah. Michelin guys gave us the wrong tires, or you know, my mechanic messed up on the settings, and the the shocks bad, or this or that. If we said that in motocross, we're just like, "Oh, right. Cooper Webb got fifth today. He's just a he's a he's just crying. He's a <laughs> He's know? crybaby." Bike 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 was fine for Barsha. He won. You know, yeah, what I mean? that's pretty
0: yeah. much what they say. Um, so. What does uh, when you when you meet people or you walk around the pits or whatever? What what do people want to? What's the first thing people bring up with you? What what do they want to talk to you about? I can imagine there's. A dozen things, but like, what do you hear about from strangers and fans and whatever?
1: Yeah, I mean, mainly it's fantasy stuff nowadays. Uh, okay. Just because uh, I did win three bikes in a row on the fantasy site before we yeah. did and X Fantasy. So I won uh, motocross, supercross, and motocross the next year. So. It was it was cool. I don't think the game had as many people back then. I think that there's more people that take it serious now. Whatever the case is, it was. But I was good at fantasy, and uh, so it's a lot of fantasy talk. But uh, mainly it's Chad stories. Uh, you know, things that we don't talk about on the radio. <laughs> they'll they'll be like, hey, I heard this. Is this true? You know, did you guys do this? And you know, it's stories like that. Right, you know? right, right. But and how I'm arguing with the people on Vital. Like sometimes they're not there, and they see these things. My point of the whole thing is these guys will do anything to win or to get that edge. I mean, Ricky told Honda, hey, I'm not using the Dunlop tires, right? Like, I can't go fast enough. You know, I'm going to use Bridgestones. And, like, just anything there was to win um, at that level, they'll do it, you know? So mainly people are just asking stories, old stories and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I can imagine there's a bunch of things with you for sure. But, yeah, winning winning motorcycles for Fantasy is pretty cool. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I won three bikes. Paul won the one before me, which was cool. And we were on the same team at the time. So people thought we were cheating and stuff because we won four and we won four in a row. Yeah. And then the guy was getting so mad. He's like, Jesus, you guys, you guys are killing me. I'm like, right, man,
0: was, uh, was Matt Gurky the most unintentionally funny rider you ever worked with or were around?
1: Yeah, Gerke and and Sean Skinner, man, those two. Both of them? (laughs) Yeah, and then when Brian Johnson was on the team, I I mean, it was just comical. I mean, we would go after a national. This is an all-day national, and these guys just – they don't shower. And I'm just like – aren't you guys gonna shower you guys just race two motos practices they're like oh we got in the hot tub i'm like that's not a shower guys <laughs> like, <laughs> like you got in the hotel hot tub <laughs> like, right. you know but they're just like yeah it's everything's good like we're great someone, you know?
0: someone told me they went to uh gerkey or skinner's house one of the, whoever had a track and they were doing motos with no with nothing on no uh, no jersey on just
1: yeah gerkey yeah gerkeys yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, i've actually seen that more times than not in Florida. Curry did some motos at Reads one time, and we're like, Paul, you forget your jersey. He's like, man, if I'm going to be out for 35 minutes, I'm going to get me a tan. I'm like, yeah, fair, <laughs> enough. <laughs> fair Cur- enough.
0: Curry's another piece of work. What is it with Florida guys? Uh, we're just special. <laughs> yeah, Curry's another piece of work. We could probably do an hour on Paul Curry.
1: Oh, man, he's a good dude. Uh,
0: well, hey, man, thanks, uh, thanks for the time, Dan. I appreciate it. Uh, good stories, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, congratulations on your success. With the numerous jobs that you hold down, man, uh, it's all working pretty well for you. So, congratulations on that.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate everyone in the in the industry that's helped me kind of get to where I where I where I, where I am. I, I've built a pretty good reputation, I'd say. I, I don't. I try to be pretty honest with everybody and uh you know i think being honest gets you gets you farther than than anything else so i appreciate what you've done for me jt everyone you know i think it's i think it's cool to to still be involved in the sport the fantasy stuff and and still go to the races and yeah if you see me at the races come up we'll share some stories
0: and if you're a privateer and dan picks you in fantasy and you need something hit him up (laughs) hit him up just
1: don't (laughs) quit seriously <laughs> just don't quit that's all you got to do yeah you mean more to me if you get a 15th in a moto and you quit the next moto it doesn't that 15th is erased in my eyes like it's just don't quit right. from a sponsor standpoint
0: no that's a good point too and again uh, thanks to get and athena for all the stuff that they do for the pulp universe it's appreciated on that end of the stuff and uh all right dan thanks very much we'll see you at the races man
1: all right thanks steve <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil cylinders as a
0: when I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike, you're not beating Roger, are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in the days they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The beast from the east, Damon
1: Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working-class hero, Doug Henry.